1: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: You are listening to the Cross Kingdom Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Justin Carpenter.
1: So this week, the Lord talked to me on the subject early. And I'm like, Lord, you know, the the week didn't start out too crazy. And then after I found out that he wanted me to talk on loving your enemy, then things got really crazy shortly after that. You know, he tends to know the future. And uh, so we're going to give it a whirl. Father, I just thank you for everything you're doing in the earth right now. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for um, blessings. I thank you, you, Lord, that you're not finished with us. I thank you that (laughs) you're turning our nation back to you. And you're doing it through the most unlikely people, which completely offends the religious and political spirits. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would take us ragamuffin servants... (laughs) And that you would display your names through us, that your glory would manifest through us so that you would be glorified, Lord Jesus. And I just ask that you bless this time, Lord. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Before I forget, Mr. Gary, could you stand up for us? It's his birthday. Everybody give him a big birthday. You know, I almost almost forgot to do that, and that's not quite as bad as one of the baptisms. Uh, I'm not baptisms. I did a baby dedication months and months and months ago, and it was for Micah and Vanessa Otis, and I literally blanked out on their baby's name up here. And so I felt horrible, so I was trying to craft a prayer without having to say his name, and it, it was a very humbling moment, and now you all know, so I really humbled myself. Ah. I had a young-timers moment. So, what in the world? Imagine yourself 2,000-plus years ago. Jesus shows up on the scene, and you're in a covenant that says eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, whatever happens to you, you do to them. And all of a sudden, this guy from Galilee shows up on the scene and radically jacks up your theology. Right? And... That was true with the law, right? And all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're being challenged on every aspect of your theology. I tell people, God is not going to violate his word, but he'll violate your understanding of it, right? And 19, 1998, I came to Kerrville for the first time. I met a guy by the name of Stephen Mooney close friend of mine, and uh, his family lay tile, and for those of you in construction, I'm sure you've heard of the Moonies, and I was fresh out of Bible college, at Arlington Baptist College, and the Lord had this amazing sense of humor, as I've told you before, to put me with a spirit-filled, tongue-praying, reformed theology guy, so it was an interesting mix, And he kept challenging my theology. Now, at the time, my head was bigger than my house, and I thought he was absolutely wrong on all of this because I had been taught I could even argue, so I thought, a cessationist argument. I could argue from that standpoint, and I was totally convinced that I was right and everybody else was wrong. And I remember being back from Bible college one time And this young man shows up to our church. He hadn't been there for a while. And he, like, the light of the Lord was all over this guy. And I'm like, what's wrong with him? He doesn't look, (laughs) never mind. He didn't look as miserable as everybody else (laughs) at at that time. Uh, And I mean that in the nicest way possible. Like, he was literally glowing. And I remember arguing, trying to talk him out of his encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, you tell me God's not gracious. And then that he doesn't have a sense of humor because look at me today. Now I'm like, you have a spear sticking out of your neck, and people are like, <laughs> they want to say, are you even in there? That's my newest t-shirt that I'm going to print, by the way. I'm going to copyright it. Oh my God. But I bring that up because God, it says that we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. God is always challenging our filters because I don't care who you are how long you've been walking with the Lord, how long you've been spirit-filled, you have filters. You have theology filters. You have cultural filters. You name it, governmental filters, political. And when we view truth through filters, things get clogged up. And one of the most amazing things, I think one of the greatest displays of God's love is when we're actually able to bless our enemy, to love our enemy, to serve our enemy. And I think the church has really missed this as a whole, especially serving government. You know, Kerrville just had uh, an election Saturday. Did you know there's 23,434 people in the city limits of Kerrville? Did you know that? Well, according to 2016 statistics, 4,066 people voted total in the election. Do the numbers. Listen if you want to shift a region in a certain direction, you actually got to show up and vote. Now, I'm very careful not to get into, like, I don't do a lot of politics post and stuff, and I'm intentional about that, because as soon as I take a strong stance publicly in a certain position, I've just shut the door on my ability to minister to people on the other side. And I care about people way more than than that. And so I... We are in such a transition right now in this nation. Things are shifting significantly, and they're shifting for the good. And we are being challenged in many ways. We have to transition well, because what happens is people are, are going to get stuck in an old wineskin. And when the new wine comes, Jesus said, What happens to the wineskin? Right? It bursts. The bursting is ministries that refuse to step out of building mode and actually step into fathering mode. I think it was uh, Chris, I believe Chris Valentin said this some years ago. He says, we're heading into an apostolic error. Like, for, in the Western church, everybody viewed the pastor as the head, Right? And so everybody's gathering around pastors, everybody's gathering around agreement of theology, right? Instead of apostleships and actually unity being built on Jesus himself. Listen, I don't care who you are, how many denominations you've been from, you're going to disagree with people. It's absolute, uh, Paul and I have different perspectives on certain things, right? And it's okay, we've got to get into the place in the church where we are okay with other people being in their own process, right? Moving at a different speed. See, it's, it's easy to shepherd people or disciple them when they're doing exactly what you want them to do, but that's not freedom and that's not fathering. You need to be in a place where those that you're discipling, you actually allow them to make mistakes. And in that process of them making mistakes, they see they don't get crushed. They actually see they're falling forward and they see your unconditional love for them. And I know you're wondering what this has to do with loving your enemy, but somehow it will tie in. So they're shifting. 2,000 years ago, they're shifting from filters and a mindset. And all of a sudden, Jesus blasts them because let me tell you, if I said eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, or I said love your enemy, if he steals your coat, give him your wallet, if, he, if you have to walk a mile with him, walk two miles with him, what sounds better, y'all? Come on. I know my old covenant sword comes out, I'm like eye for an eye, baby. I want justice. I guess I'm the only one. I'm sorry. And, but what if your enemy was put into your life to promote you and not hurt you? That landed well with some of you. What what if what if you learning to love those that don't love you is exactly the thing that's holding you back from your destiny. And you don't pass go, you don't collect 200 until you learn to love your enemies. Listen, you're going to have critics, y'all. Trust me. You're going to absolutely have critics. And the more influence God gives you in your life, it's going to stir jealousy, it's going to stir selfish ambition, it's going to stir envy, and people are going to get upset because the favor of God's resting on you. And guess what? The only thing they should get back from you is love. Listen, I am the king of, like, wanting to type on Facebook and respond to things, and I'm like, delete. Delete. And I'm like, you know, you get all pumped up, and you're like, oh, you, the Word says this. And and then and the Holy Spirit goes, uh, erase that. And I'm like, yes, Dad. I'm serious, because it, Paul and I, when Paul was talking about old covenant prophets, there's something the prophets of old had that is missing in the church today, and that is The ability to serve under a government, no matter what. When Jeremiah brought the word of the Lord, he went into captivity with them. He didn't fly in, prophesy over a church, bring correction, bring judgment, and then blaze a trail. He actually was in prison for words that he released. He went with them. Daniel had understanding because of the scriptures in Daniel 9, because all of a sudden he sees 70 years have passed, The word of the Lord of Jeremiah, and he's like, wait a minute, freedom's coming. And then all of a sudden, he positions himself in humility to find out what the next step is. Because he knew this was what we would call a kairos moment, that he's stepping into this place. Daniel served under four kings. And when he went between kings, you never heard a word from him. And as we're going to see in a minute, this guy is amazing because He's lumped in. He's named after a false god for crying out loud. And he didn't sit there and spend all these verses trying to tell those people that you can't name me that, you can't do this, and go into a self-protection mode. He let them say what they wanted, and he allowed the anointing and the Holy Spirit, the calling on his, god, on his life to speak truth. And every one of them saw it. In fact, when, when King Nebuchadnezzar got humbled and because of the dream of the tree, and he said, let, let this be your enemy. Listen, most of us are, tend to be conservative when, when we're running after Jesus. It just, it's a byproduct, okay? But you can't hate your enemy. You can't act like a jack towards other people you don't agree with that's greek for moron <laughs> we we've got to get into a place where we're willing to serve last tuesday when we went to the city hall in ingram i said one thing to him i said we're just here to serve i said we just want to serve you and then i spent time with the chief of police finding out how we can serve And we're not going into a city with an agenda. We're not going in to convert them to cross-kingdom church members. No. We want to serve the city. We want to see the kingdom of heaven invade Ingram. We want to see the addiction just absolutely crushed and pulled out of this region. We want to see poverty crushed. And the only way those things happen is when the people with the authority and in leadership actually see that you're for them and not against them. And I may may not agree with all these people. I may not agree with all their stances. That doesn't matter. I know that we've been given the blueprints for the kingdom of heaven for this this specific area. And so we're going to serve under whoever's there, whether we agree with them or not. I'm telling y'all, this is a part of the kingdom of heaven that we've got to get because we are shifting as a church right now and we're going into, we're being kingdom-minded, not just church-minded. There's a huge difference between having the kingdom of heaven in you and thinking in kingdom terms, thinking with the mind of Christ versus simply just going to church and sitting there. There's a huge difference. When you're kingdom-minded, you recognize that you play a role just as important as anybody on this platform, and what God's given you for your destiny is no less important than anyone else. And if you don't view yourself from heaven's perspective, then you're going to minimize your part in the kingdom And then you're going to totally miss that we need you because you're a part of the body. And there's no less importance of any part. And it's when we come together as the body of Christ in unity in the Holy Spirit that things begin to shift. A city shifts, a a nation shifts, a country shifts. All these things shift when there's true unity in Christ. You look at the Tower of Babel. He said, let us go down because now they are one and nothing will be impossible that they set their mind to. So if there's a collective strength in the soul of man, how much more when you have new creations in unity in the spirit of God? Yeah. 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 So there has to be a mindset shift. It says in Matthew 5:38 to 48, you've heard it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Don't pick at them. Don't blow horns at them. Don't yell through bullhorns. Listen, Jesus did not come to condemn, but to save the world. We've got to get into a place where we're mercy driven because mercy triumphs over judgment. The reason why the, the world's not knocking down the doors of this place of, of the church as a whole is because they they fear they're gonna be judged. They fear that if they that they don't have the freedom. And the safety to actually grow up or explore. They don't have, if you say the wrong thing, if you don't wear the right clothes. You know, we'd not, not too many months ago, we had a couple of people in the church that were talking about somebody else in the church the way they were dressed. And they didn't know this person was behind them. And it absolutely broke my heart. because ever, And last week, we had some yahoo coming in here, wanted to prophesy a word over this house condemning the house. And they gave me the word. I read the word and I told Paul, I said, don't you dare let them buy that microphone. Because it was a word of condemnation and it was not what God's doing. And I didn't even know this person. They just came in out of the backwoods of somewhere. And if if your issues were nailed to the cross, if your stuff was dealt with, then it's really about finding out who you really are in Christ more than anything. If you focus on your weaknesses, where's Jesus in that? If you, meaning that in areas that you're moving forward, like if you have a hard time loving your enemy, you getting past that is not you focusing on, oh, they make me so angry, jerks. Oh, I just want an eye for an eye. Yep, yep, that's right, Lord, i receive that. No, that's not how that works. You go, Jesus, you get in your prayer closet and you go, God, I don't love this guy. I don't love this woman. Oh, yeah, transparency, right? Because he knows what's in your heart already. You can wear a religious mask and smile, but he knows your heart, so you might as well get real and say, Lord, I don't like this person. I, I definitely am having a hard time loving them, and I need you to come invade this place because I'm messed up in this. My theology's not right. My belief system isn't right because if it was right... I'd be seeing the compassion of the Lord for this person. I would be seeing who you created them to be. I'd see the true gold because you don't make junk. And if anyone sues you, take... uh, I'm sorry. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let them have your cloak as well. How many believers go into the court system against believers... It shouldn't be. Paul, Paul says, hey, do you not know we're going to judge angels? Hello? We're going to judge angels in the life to come. Is there not anyone wise enough in your congregation to deal with this? That's what he said to the Corinthians. <sighs> and, if anyone, um, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles and consider it exercise. <laughs> Give to the one who begs from... That's uh added emphasis. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You've heard it that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus totally shifted a covenant with that that text right there. He literally went for eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and all of a sudden, their perspective of hate your enemy totally shifted. Think about that. And I'm telling you, some of us are still stuck in an old covenant mindset where we're viewing our enemies like we want to take them out rather than bless them. We view government too many times as a threat, and we don't want to get anywhere near how in the world are we going to be salt and light if we don't go in? How are we going to shift a city if we don't get involved? You understand, like, the, it says His kingdom is without end. And we are here with a superior government inside of us. Do you understand this? You have a superior government inside of you. And if you simply get around people and serve them out of a pure motive of love, not what you can get, not how big your name can become, not how many stars that can be put by your ministry, but you simply serve because the greatest in the kingdom are servants of all. That's when you see explosion. That's when you see favor on your life. Because now you're in a place of maturity where the Lord can trust you with that level of responsibility. It says, if you're faithful in a little, he will make you faithful in much? Whatever area of life you are looking for breakthrough, the first question you need to ask yourself, am I faithful in this area with what I've been given right now? That goes back to do not despise small beginnings, right? It says, this is, this is one of my favorite parts serving your enemy. What does that look like? What if God's called you into a season where you're surrounded by people that are very difficult to deal with and He's actually trying to teach you how to love? It says, As for these four use, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. It says, And the king spoke with them and among all of them, none was found like Daniel Hananiah, Michelle, and Ezariah. And by the way, Daniel Edelstein reads Hebrew fluently, and the word halah is wrong. Not that you're surprised that I butchered Hebrew, but it's halal, Halal. right? Halal. You'll sleep better knowing this. (laughs) Therefore they stood before the king... And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. Who are these dudes mixed up with? What, what, where were they lumped into? Magicians and enchanters. Hi, I'm the chief magician, Justin Carpenter. That would go over well. But that's where they were put. And they were, found, they were found ten times better. Listen, these guys didn't spend their entire lives justifying the appearance of what somebody might say. They served the king. Over, over and over, even in the Old Covenant, he, in Jeremiah, he says, Serve them, serve your enemy, and you'll prosper. He tells them that in the Old Covenant. Serve your enemy, plant, go, and serve, and you'll prosper. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Pardon me. So what happens is Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and guess what? Nobody can interpret it. And he doubles down, and he says, you know what? He goes, I want you to give me the dream, and I want you to give me the interpretation of the dream. And everybody's dead if it doesn't happen. This is where these guys... How would you... Listen, I teach a course on dreams and visions and biblical dream interpretation. But I've yet to have someone come up to me and say, Hey, tell me my dream I had last night and give me the interpretation or you're dead. That would be a little intense. That's at least like a 301 course. And he says, And he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Again, watch this. Hallelujah. Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery." At last, Daniel came in before, him, before me, he who was named Belshazzar, after the name of my God. So there he is. He's named after a false god. And whom is the spirit of the holy gods? And I told him the dream, saying, O oh, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, so he's labeled chief of magicians, y'all. Do you recognize this? Like, this is huge. You never once see him defending himself. You never once see him, like, freaking out over this. We have, we have got to get the governmental anointing back on our lives. We're a royal priesthood, and, there, and there's kings. It says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of man to search that matter out. He's, he wants to make you more kingly. And it comes through mysteries, So the more, and it says all the mysteries, when the seventh trumpet blows in Revelation, all the mysteries of the kingdom will have been revealed. Do you understand that? So right now, we're literally living in this dispensation with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And there's mysteries being revealed all the time. And those that are humble and hungry and willing to serve are going to get mysteries. Because these mysteries have everything to do with shifting nations. Not just shifting a church, not just shifting a tiny city, but that mystery literally was for all of history. That rhymed. In order for you to grab a hold of this impartation today, you've got to have an upgrade in your identity. You've got to have an upgrade in who you are in Christ and what you're called to do. It's way more than just waking up every day and drinking 16 cups of coffee in the morning and 27 at night. And he says, Because I know that the Spirit of the Holy Gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and in their interpretation. He was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar. Let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. And he answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. So here's Daniel serving his enemy. He's serving the king that they're in captivity to Babylon. They're literally in captivity. He serves this king and he says, May the dream be for those who hate you. And it's interpretation for your enemies. This is even Old Covenant. What is this mindset that he's thinking? He's got a hold of the heart of God. You're never going to serve what you hate. You understand that? You're never going to be given authority over what you hate. How's that? If we don't love people, we shouldn't expect to have authority to speak in their lives. If we have hatred in our hearts, Jesus said that if you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, you're already guilty of murder. We've got to get into a place where we give up our right to be right. And we allow God to crush us and transform us into the image of Jesus. Because that's first and foremost what He's doing in everyone's life. says, therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. So not only is he serving the king, he actually wants the king to be prosperous. Let me bring this modern day. You're in a job. You don't like your boss. You don't like your manager. You don't like everybody around you in your work. It's getting heavy here. It's getting really intense. You don't like anybody. But God puts you there to serve. God puts you there so that they would prosper. God's testing you because if you serve somebody else's vision, then you've proven responsible and entrusted to have people come around the vision God gave you. Because you know what happens in this process when you begin to serve somebody else's vision? It crushes your self-ambition. It crushes envy. It crushes jealousy. It crushes these things that will absolutely crush you down the road if you don't deal with it. What do you think? To serve those that aren't worthy to be served, but you serve them and you love them because you're supposed to be a servant of all. What if there was an accompany of people raised up in the body of Christ that truly wanted to serve and they didn't care who got the reward? It says, Apollos, I, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It does not matter. He says, who's Paul and Apollos? Nobody. God gave the increase, and he's purifying the motives of our hearts. And one of the reasons why our destinies are held up and we keep running into these challenges is because we need an upgrade in identity in order to steward that breakthrough and continue to move forward. You with me? Okay. It says there's a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans and astrologers because an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles Solved problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Balthazar. Uh Now let Daniel be called, and he will show you the interpretation. That's his reputation in Babylon. That's where he's labeled. And he goes with this servant's heart through four kings. Every one of these kings were not Israel kings. They were four enemies, technically, And he serves under every one of them with a servant's heart, with love. And he wants to see them prosper because he knows as a nation prospers, everybody else is going to prosper because God calls it to rain on the just and the unjust. And and this is what he says. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing of the king and make known to him the interpretation. This is when the finger of God writes on the wall and he's freaking out, right? He's like, nobody can read this. And Daniel reads it. I've, I've met people at times where they would get a prophetic word. And they, would, they were absolutely convinced that they were called to give this word to somebody of stature. Big name, right? And that individual was never brought before them. Why? Because it wasn't a word of the Lord. It was selfish ambition, masquerading as a word. Because too many times we're looking to people to promote us. Let me tell you, every time I've seen significant breakthrough in my life or or when I was waiting for this massive prophetic word that would just shift everything, everybody would see, oh, he's prophetic. (laughs) Guess what? When I I was longing for that, nothing ever happened. Prophets would go by and, right here, dude. Did you see the light on me? (laughs) And nothing would happen. And then when it didn't matter, if they saw it because I knew the Lord saw it and I knew in the right time I would be promoted, that's when things happened. And you're going to find yourself doing things you never wanted to do. And guess what? Because you didn't want to do them, God can entrust you with them because your name is not on it. His is. Does that make sense? Listen, there's a a wind blowing in the season. There's an acceleration happening. And if you position yourself in humility, you stay teachable, and you're willing to serve, you're going to catch a momentum. Dutch Sheets just released a word Thursday night, and he talked about what God was doing over this nation. And uh, I want to encourage you, go get, go get the word. I mean, they, they prayed for, I don't know how long. And if you don't know who he is, it's worth finding out. God is up to so much right now, like... He's doing so many things right now. You know that. This is the most amazing time in history to be alive. What if half of your problems aren't even a problem to the Lord? And if they're not a problem to Him, why are you so focused on them? You know, it's called the divine exchange. you got to let go of something so you can receive something. What if your breakthrough is simply giving him the problem and receiving the truth of righteousness? Thessalonians says that the breastplate, in Ephesians it talks about the breastplate of righteousness, right? Thessalonians calls it the breastplate of faith and love. So what fortifies your breastplate, breastplate of righteousness that protects your heart, it's faith and love. And as, you're, as you are abiding in Christ and you're strengthened in faith and love, that breastplate of righteousness thickens. And then all of a sudden, when people say ill things about you, or they say, oh, they're just a bunch of New Agers, or they're not even preaching the gospel over there. These are actually things that are said. It, it won't bother you. Because you know you have the light of the holy God inside of you. And that you've become the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right? What if you get into a place of such freedom in Jesus that you allow other people's stuff to be their stuff and you don't carry it? Because it's not your responsibility to change them. It's to love them and allow the Holy Spirit to change them. What if your enemy is there holding the key to your destiny and you got to get over yourself to get the key? Last thing as we finish up, in conclusion. Sorry if I'm drinking loud, the mic's up. (laughs) Servant of all, right? So we've talked about loving your enemy, Serving your enemy and becoming a servant of all. I promise you, if, if, if this truth today is applied to your life, it's absolutely going to bring acceleration into your life. Guaranteed. It's impossible not to. You're going to be a magnet for favor. That was good? <laughs> Overcoming selfish ambition. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, because, you know, he can't read their thoughts. For on the way they, are, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Now we're getting to modern-day church here, people. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. I'm taking my toys and going home. I guarantee you that's what half of them were thinking. He must be last of all and servant of all. That means you scrub commodes and you don't care. That means you sweep floors and you don't care. That means you show up early and you don't care if you get anything in return because you know the truth of the gospel is that not even a cup of water is forgotten when it's given in, in His name. See, things that are huge on earth can be small in heaven, but things that we view small on the earth are actually huge in heaven. What are you discussing, he said. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Isn't it funny, he says, unless you become like a little child, you'll not enter into the kingdom. So you want to be functioning in the kingdom, but inside that little child is so wounded, you're scared to death to go after it. And then you wonder why you're not seeing the greater works. The greater works are going to go to childlike faith because they can be entrusted with that level of glory and not try to steal it because God said, I won't share my glory with anyone. A child, we had a 10 year old go out in our office a couple weeks ago for the kid, I mean, he was gone. Like there wasn't a courtesy fall or pushed over. Boom, he's out for 20 minutes. And the kid goes to heaven and he sees the Lord and the Lord tells him to listen to his mother. How's that for a prophetic word, moms? And he gets up and he writes a book and he goes on tour. No, that's not what he did. He was just like, okay. And and the Lord... Moved on her heart. I wanted to bless them. She was amazing family, single mom. And I said, hey, they didn't have any electronics. And you know, that's like a crime against nature today. Especially if it's Android. I repent for saying an Android joke. Forgive me. But literally, the next breath, this kid, think about this, y'all. This kid has an encounter and he gets caught up. And literally, in his next breath, he's talking about video games. It's childlike faith. He takes it in, it's, it, it will forever change him. But he doesn't go, Hey, I've been to heaven. You need to listen to me. <laughs> Jesus is not happy with you. No. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. There's a key to loving your enemy. There's a key to serving your enemy. Consider others more significant than yourself. Listen, for too long we've had a narcissistic gospel. It's been about what I can get. It's about if if I sow this amount, am I going to get this amount back out? Because if I don't have the promise, if I give a car away not to get a car, like I don't know if I'm going to give it then. That is such hogwash. Y'all understand that one, right? It's not Greek. God's after His bride. Not a beat-up bride. Not a selfish bride. He's after His bride that's totally laid down, dead to sin and alive to Him. He's not coming back for a church that's just beat up waiting for the rapture. That ain't happening. He's not waiting for that. We are being transformed into His image. We're going from glory to glory. We've been given a kingdom without end, and Scripture says the kingdoms of this earth are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ. This is happening, and you can literally shift your mindset and step into destiny and understand that you're playing a significant role that will absolutely forge your life to come. The Hebrews believe that the Earth is like a womb, and when you die and you enter into eternity, it's like being birthed into the life. Hell, or Sheol, actually means barrenness. Did you know that? Last scripture: For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. James 3:16. Jealousy and selfish ambition exist. There will be disorder and every vile practice. Now just a quick recap. Jealousy is the fear of somebody taking what you have. And the spirit of jealousy is one major spirit that every leader in the body of Christ must overcome. Because when all of a sudden God starts moving in the, in the church next door, are you going to get jealous or are you going to celebrate it and pray into it and ask the Lord to do more? This is what makes the difference with leadership. When God starts moving, do you view the other body of Christ as the other body of Christ, or do you view them as your family? Envy is desiring, wanting what they have. And I'm telling you, during the tent revivals, it got so ridiculous, they were actually measuring their tents, y'all, to see whose tent was bigger. We are literally on the cuffs of the greatest harvest ever. And there's no room for this stuff. we got to lock arms as the body of Christ, all of us, and go forward and not minimize somebody else's role or get jealous of them because it's a poverty mindset. If somebody gets promoted and I'm threatened by it, then I fear that there's not enough to go around. Earlier during worship... I felt like there was somebody giving some bad news. Uh, like I saw a doctor coming to you and giving you bad news. If, if that word is accurate, can you raise your hand? Okay, we got one in the back. Hmm. Who's, um, somebody's got wrist pain, and it's, it almost feels like a needle or something. Like it's a sharp pain in your wrist. It's like, almost like you, it feels like a pin in your wrist. Who, who's got uh, wrist pain going on? You got what? That one? Okay. It, if you all get some people around him to pray, you got your hand up? Is that, you got wrist issues? And, and I really believe the Lord wants to... Who's got arthritis? I, I heard that earlier. If you got arthritis, stand up real quick. Well, as fast as you can. Okay. For those that are standing up, if y'all will pray over them. If they're up, they're a target for God's goodness, right? And if you're here today and this is all like, do I really believe all this stuff? This guy's crazy. He's got great looking hair, but he's a little weird. If that's you... Jokes are sometimes off, I'm sorry. But if if you don't know the Lord, if you really don't know for sure that you know the Lord the way we've been talking, I want to encourage you to come forward and get with the prayer team and they can very quickly introduce you to Him.
0: Thank you for listening. For more messages and other resources, please subscribe to this podcast or go to our website at www.crosskingdom.org.